You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio with just a little bit of politics. Listen along as we interview some of the most experienced outdoorsmen in the industry today, where you'll learn valuable tips and tricks to make you a more successful hunter, shooter and fisherman. Here's your host of the Australian Hunting Podcast, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio. I'm your host Jason Selms and this is episode 41, Hunting Goats with David Smith. Uh, Pleasure to have everyone back for this episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. And on today's show we've got David Smith coming onto the show to chat to us about hunting goats from calibre selection to tracking them, terrain they're going to be in, uh, tracking them on game trails, recipes for goats, you name it we talk about in this podcast and I really had a great time talking to David on this show. Now you might ask who is David Smith now? On this show, David is representing his own views because he was slash is a game manager for the Game Council of New South Wales. But again, on this show, he's not representing the Game Council in any way, shape or form. We're just tapping into David's knowledge on hunting goats in this podcast. So I hope you really enjoy it. Dave gave some good uh, uh, good information on all types of goat hunting and I hopefully, you know, from, from beginners to advanced people, you'll be able to get something out of this podcast. And uh, I think Dave's just come off a uh, grand final win. Uh, he plays football, and uh, I think uh, he won the grand final. If you've been on Facebook, he, there's a lot of photos. If you're mates with him on there, you'll see him. And uh, But I think uh, his body's had enough of the football, I think. I think he might be, be hanging up the boots um, to the uh, – it might be his last football season, I think. But um, I just got a message from Dave the other day. He's overseas in Colorado doing some hunting, and he sent me a message to say, he got some awesome GoPro footage uh, hunting pheasant and partridge over there. And I, I just told him, what's he waiting for? Hurry up and get back so we can upload it. Because everyone knows I love bird hunting and I love hunting over in the United States. It was one of the best times I've had in my hunting career. And uh, Dave, obviously, I'm not sure that's his first time, but he obviously got to see what it was like to be, you know, be able to hunt and shoot over in the United States. So hopefully he enjoyed himself. He brought a lot to the podcast. And uh, Dave has some awesome knowledge. So thanks, Dave, for uh, coming onto the show. Now, there hasn't really been too much. We haven't seen anything in regards to state land hunting here in New South Wales being reintroduced yet. Uh, we know Katrina Hodgkinson has tabled uh, the, the amendments to the Game and Feral Animal Control Act in Parliament. So I guess we're just going to play that by ear and see what happens uh, when the DPI uh, opens up again, if they open up state forest hunting anytime soon. So don't forget, send in your letters. Uh, keep meeting with your local members. I met with my uh, local member, John Robinson, about uh, two weeks ago and expressed my interest in uh, state land hunting and uh, you know, basically demanding it back as soon as possible. So if you haven't written to... Uh, your local member, uh, write to them and request a meeting. And then once you finish doing that, then draft up your letters to the uh, Minister for Primary Industries, Katrina Hodgkinson. Uh, you can jump on the net, type in her name and find the address in the city. And again, keep sending those correspondence. Flood them. Waste their time like they're wasting hours not being able to hunt on public land and demand your public land hunting back. Uh, probably got about six weeks before we head off to the rice season again for two weeks. Uh, there might be a little bit of a downtime between podcasts in November because I'll be gone for two weeks. Uh, looking forward to it again. This is my fourth year down on the rice field, so we're going to have a great time again. Hopefully I get some awesome footage with the camera and the GoPro. 
Uh, we've been hunting down there, as I said, for about four years, and we get on really well with some of the farmers in the specific areas that we hunt. So really looking forward to that. Other than that, there's not really much else happening at the moment, but if you want to check out the Australian Hunting Podcast, jump on the australianhuntingpodcast.com.au website where you can find out everything to do with the Australian Hunting Podcast, and you can listen to our previous episodes. If you also want to find out more about us and listen to the show in full, you can also go to iTunes and type in the Australian Hunting Podcast, and it'll come up. Uh, you can do automatic downloads to your iPhones or whatever you like. You can listen to it on your computer, and uh, every time a new episode becomes available, you can download it automatically. So I hope you uh, check out iTunes for the Australian Hunting Podcast. And also, if I might add, please leave a comment on the iTunes page if you like what we do here at the Australian Hunting Podcast. If you've got any recommendations or criticisms or you want me to get someone specifically on the show, please email me at australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. There's about 2,500 people on our Facebook page, so type in the Australian Hunting Podcast and it will come up. If you want to follow our Twitter feed, AH Podcast on Twitter, that would certainly jump on all those social media. Come and join the conversation on Facebook, join the conversations on Twitter, or visit the website. Also, our podcast is listed with Stitcher.com, so if you're overseas and you've got a Wi-Fi connection, certainly jump on Stitcher.com and you can listen to us from anywhere in the world with a Wi-Fi connection. If you're away on holidays overseas, you can still listen to us uh, on Stitcher.com. My business website, AussieFeralControl.com.au for all your feral control needs. You can also jump on my YouTube channel. I've got a bunch of videos that I'm doing. I've got a lot more videos coming up too with people I'm going to have as well. And that's uh, Aussie Feral Control, the same name on YouTube. Share the Australian Hunting Podcast with your friends and family. That's really important. I really thank everyone that uh, uh, subscribes to the show, listens to the show, have told other people about the show. Uh, the Everyday Hunter episode, my first one with Alex Prof, was hugely successful. It had over 6,500 downloads in less than a week and a half. So it certainly shows that people are really enjoying it. I've got a, uh, more people coming up for the Everyday Hunter that I'm interviewing. Uh, we've also got coming up. Uh, how to fish with hard-bodied lures, blades, poppers, uh, with Michael Guesty Guest from Michael Guest Fishing. You might know Michael Guest from Real Action TV and also the summer fishing show host on 2GB. So we've got Michael Guest or Guesty coming up on the show to chat to you how to fish lures. So lots coming up on the show. If you want to be involved in the Everyday Hunter segment, send me an email to australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com to express your interest and leave your email and a phone number and I'll endeavour to get back to you. We're going to be doing that on a quite regular basis, just interviewing average regular hunters, just like me and you, and finding out what hunting, shooting, fishing means to them, what they enjoy about it and what they love so much about being a hunter, shooter, fisherman here in Australia. Um, so also too, again, you know, you can check out the Shooters and Fishers Party website, shootersandfishers.org.au. You can donate. Please join Join up uh, when there's many people as we possibly can coming into the 2015 New South Wales state elections. And also, even if you're not in New South Wales, you've got your WA branches, you've got your other branches around the country. Join up those branches so they can become a political force in those particular states as well. It's really important. We've already seen Rick Mazza get up uh, in WA and we're looking for a few more down south now. So certainly join the Shooters and Fishers Party. 
And one of our sponsors, Australian Hunters International at OzHuntersInternational.org.au. If you want to get your uh, work, yeah, your firearms license, if you want to learn more about hunting, shooting and fishing, uh, great club to absolutely be a part of. Uh, they can show you all the processes. You can talk to like-minded people and so they can take you under the wing and help you out if you're absolutely new to hunting, shooting and fishing. So OzHuntersInternational.org.au. If you go to my website, AustralianHuntingPodcast.com.au, there's a donation through PayPal. Uh, I wanted to thank Caleb personally. Caleb sent me an email, which I posted uh, on the Facebook page, which says how much he liked the show, uh, how he listens to it at work when he's on the job site. And I'll tell you what, when I get these, people will laugh maybe, and I don't really care, but uh, when I get some of these uh, emails, man, it really sometimes brings tears to my eyes. It really does. I really feel my heart feels good because, you know, something that we're doing here really does help a lot of people and when I get these emails it makes me feel fantastic there's something that I'm doing other people are actually enjoying and uh, I really I really enjoy doing this I wish I could do a lot more um, but certainly when I get these emails it really really is appreciated and uh, he also flicked over a donation as well um, with that email and, you know, it really, really sort of made me a little bit emotional reading how much people love it. So, again, I do it for you guys. I do it for you listeners that, uh, and the audience. Just that's why I do it because I love it, you know, and I hope you guys do too. And it seems from the emails I'm getting, you do, in fact, enjoy it. So it's always appreciated. But I reckon we should get started on the show. Hunting goats, those tasty little morsels that we all enjoy of the big game hunting, just like deer. Uh, they're a great quarry to hunt, and hopefully you get a bit of information that you'll be able to use when you're out in the field. So let's rock this show. Without further ado, let's get into my interview, Hunting Goats with David Smith. This is David Smith, and we're talking about goat hunting. You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Dave Smith, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Pleasure to have you on the show to have a chat with us today, man, about how, uh, how to hunt goats. Uh, thanks very much, Jason. I'm very excited to be here. I uh, appreciate appreciate your time. Mate, give us a bit of a personal background, you know, about yourself, you know, how did you get into hunting and, you know, shooting? Was it a family tradition? Tell us a bit about your background. Uh, yeah, Jason, I, I live out in central west area of New South Wales. This is where I grew up. Um, my family, my mum and dad originally from the coast, so they were into to fishing and whatnot, but not so much into hunting. But uh, being a country boy, I grew up and had numerous mates with properties, so I, uh, I learned to shoot on one of my mates' properties. Um, probably more a shooter than a hunter to begin with. We did a lot of spotlighting. Um, obviously, I got my miner's permit when I was, I was 12 and, and shot on private property. I also had uh, my metalwork teacher at school, John Pond. He was a big influence um, getting me into shooting as well. He was really heavily involved with the SSAA out at Mudgee. They've got a big, big range out at Windermere Dam there, so I used to go out and shoot targets with them a bit. But I sort of, I liked hunting a lot better than, than, than shooting targets because I liked being out in the bush, um, hunting and fishing. So as soon as I turned 18, got my full uh, firearms licence and bought my first firearms probably within a month of getting my full licence. Um, and since then, I've just continued hunting. I also do a lot of fishing. I had my own guided fishing business for a while um, and I used to take um, people who wanted on some hunting trips as well. Um, it was probably, you know, it was probably about 22, 23, and I started to get into pig hunting with dogs as well, which I which I really like to do. And um, probably two or three years after that, I picked up the bow for the first time. So um, 
I, I sort of try and do a bit of everything. I like uh, hunting with the rifle. I like uh, hunting with the bow. I go probably pig dogging at least once a week, and and I also like to trap, a, trap do a bit of trapping as well. Trap a few rabbits and uh, you know stay into trapping wild dogs as well. So um, yeah, I, I love hunting, and I try to go two or three times a week. Yeah, good stuff, man. I guess. Um, you know, hunting means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But what do you think it means to be, say, a hunter here in Australia? Um, I, I reckon being a hunter is great. I, I think we're being a hunter is is being a true naturalist, getting out and not only being uh, um, taking animals and taking meat and coming home, but you're participating in the ecosystem. Um, a lot of people, I think, have this hands-off approach to to participate in the environment. We we shouldn't touch it. We shouldn't be a part of it. But I see, you know, humans as part of the food chain, um, and and being involved, going out and shooting shooting animals, taking the meat, and that's just a natural part of us being in the food chain. Um, probably, too, uh, with in hunting these days, people talking a lot about um, our cultural heritage of hunting. Um, my grandfather grew up on the far north coast of New South Wales and he was one of uh, 13 kids uh, but obviously didn't have TVs back in those days so they filled in times the other way. Um, <laughs> so there were 13 kids and uh, him, and his, him and his brother were the two oldest and uh, part of their job was to go out with the 22s and shoot bush turkeys to feed the family. So I think that's pretty heavily influenced me as well. You know, my pop used to go out and shoot animals to feed his family, and now I'm doing the same thing. So um, I really see it as part of my cultural heritage. But it's also a lifestyle. I think many hunters would agree that um, being involved in the outdoors and hunting and shooting and fishing, it's not a hobby. I hate when people call it a hobby. For me, it's not. It's a lifestyle. You're the same, Jace. You're always on the internet looking at hunting stuff, talking about hunting, <laughs> talking about fishing. It's not a, not a hobby. It uh, impacts your whole life. So I, I like to call it a lifestyle as opposed to a hobby. <laughs> yeah, when, I, when I'm always at work, I'm thinking about hunting. When I'm at home, I'm on YouTube looking at hunting. <laughs> you know. Uh, anyway, good stuff, man. I guess tell us, uh, and, and don't feel like you've got to say it's goat hunting because we're doing a goat hunting podcast, but what's your, I guess what's your favourite uh, either game or feral animal to hunt here in, um, and obviously live in New South Wales, but let's say Australia in general. Yeah, well, I mean, I've got a lot of access. I'm, I'm pretty lucky. I've got a lot of access to different game animals to hunt. So I probably hunt deer and fallow deer um, and pigs the most. I try to go pig hunting uh, once a week to keep the dogs in work, but I also really like shooting shooting deer and hunting fallow deer. I mean, some of the greatest areas of hunting I have, though, are just walking around with the 22 shooting rabbits. I love getting a, a pocket full of uh, 22 shells and walking through a paddock with blackberries and just shooting rabbits. I think that's probably just as much fun. I think if you looked at all the hunters across Australia, probably everyone's hunted rabbits at some point in time. So I think, um, yeah, rabbits. But I do like hunting goats, obviously. Um, we've got good populations of goats around where I am here. Um, take an annual trip with my hunting club, the Canobolis Hunting Club. We go out west every year hunting goats. So... Um, you know, I hunt anything, anything that can you can eat. I love it. Good stuff. Now, I guess tell us that gets into the next question. Tell us about the origin of feral goats uh, here in Australia. Um, goats have been here as long as the white man has. Um, they came on the first fleet. Um, more sort of your domestic goats they were to start with. Um, 
they'll brought over mainly because um, they could survive the, the journey on the ships. They were they were small and they're pretty hardy animals. Go to um, yeah, yeah. They eat a range of plants, so it wasn't hard for them to bring from Europe to Australia and have them acclimatised because they eat pretty much anything, as you would know. Yep. Um, but then you know they've they've got a range of uses. Goat meat is one of the most eaten meats in the world, but the most eaten red meat in the world. Um, you can get milk out of goats, and also the skins from goats can be made into um, various types of clothing. So they had a lot of uses. Um, then they were once once they arrived and domesticated. Then you know people went exploring Australia through the train lines, and we had the the mining vans and the sailors circumnavigating Australia. And they all took goats with them um, as a food source, and a lot of those were deliberately released or escaped. And that's meant goats have pretty much populated all of Australia, either through escapees or deliberate releases. Um, in more modern times, they've been used to uh, control weeds in Australia. Um, I know one particular population of goats that I hunt now, uh, a bloke let them go about 15 years ago to try and get rid of the blackberry. And they did a really good job of getting rid of the blackberry, <laughs> yeah. um, but then they were hard to rein back in after that. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, makes you laugh, doesn't it? Um, uh, but you know, out there you've got your you know, your diehard pig hunters, you've got your diehard deer hunters, but then also you got your there are a couple of guys I know too. They're diehard goat hunters. What do you think it is about goats that you know they, they enjoy hunting so much? Um, well, Jason, I think a lot of people um, that their particular game animal that they choose. To, to hunt the most, it's, it's a lot about availability to hunt them. So in Victoria, where they've got duck season, you've got a lot of duck shooters. In you know New South Wales, Queensland, where there's got a lot of pigs, you've got a lot of pig shooters. And and goats are spread pretty much all across Australia in, in most states. Um, so I think everyone's got access to go hunting, um, if I can say that. But you know, there's populations of goats that are fairly close to all hunters. So I think that that um, impacts people's ability to be able to hunt them. So, you know, that's why a lot of people chase them. Um, they've adapted really well to the Australian environment. So you can find them everywhere from the, the desert lands out in western New South Wales and central Australia, western Australia, and you can find them all the way up into the mountain country of the Snowy Mountains. So they're spread across all of Australia. Um, and they breed prolifically, so there's a lot of the animals. Um, so... Everyone's got a good chance to hunt them. I think uh, you can target them with both uh, rifles and bows. Um, and I think for people getting into either hunting, um, you know, larger animals with a rifle or, or beginning into bow hunting, they're a good animal to chase because uh, they're fairly easy, uh, relatively easy to hunt as composed to something like a, a deer. Um, and so a lot of people, they're a good sort of step up animal to get into that medium large game sort of hunting. Um, what else? Yeah, as I said before, they're, they're one of the most eaten meats in the world. So, you know, a lot of people go out hunting goats, get the meat to bring back. And I think there's a lot of hunters in Sydney that specifically go out so they can go and get their couple of goats and bring them back and feed the family. Yeah, good stuff. Speaking about, you know, let's talk about, like, you know, the the impact of the goats on the environment and also uh, what does a goat's diet consist of? Yeah, well, they're, they're browsers. Um, goats, as I said before, they, they pretty much eat anything. Um, but 
like most animals, they'll always select the highest quality food that they've got available to them. So, you know, if they've got a nice luscious lucent crop there or they can pick browse up in the, in the, in the store, it's going to come out and feed on the best, best possible tucker. <laughs> um, but they also eat, as I said before, they also eat such a wide variety that they eat a lot of the weeds and, and other things that um, other animals won't eat, other native animals, the poisonous sort of introduced weeds. So that's, you know, they're, they're used by farmers a lot um, in that way to try and control weed populations. But there's always a dark side to that as well because then when they go and have their droppings, their seed spreads further and wider. So that's one of the probably the impacts on the environment. Um, goats on their own probably aren't so bad, um, but on their own, if they were just in an environment, they wouldn't be so bad. But because we've got so many other herbivores there as well, um, together they, they lead to um, overgrazing. And so the problems associated with that, vegetation damage and soil damage, particularly because they're a hoofed animal, um, they can trample soil and, and prevent regeneration. Um, they're pretty good at defoliating um, plants, so eating all the branches and twigs and twigs and bark and killing plants that way. Um, they compete with our native fauna, obviously for for food sources and uh, for water sources, particularly in the drier areas, um, through the sheer number of goats. But also they can be aggressive, and if they've got small water holes, they can fend off other animals. Um, also, too, as you would see in South Australia and places like that with some of our, our rock wallabies and things like that, goats compete with those for shelter, so sheltering in the rock caves and areas like that that push the native animals out. So they're probably our, our biggest environmental impacts from the goats. Mm, no, good stuff, man. If we were, let's say we were looking at goat habitat, are we looking for, where, you know, where can we hunt? What sort of areas are we looking for? Flat, hills, what are we looking for? Mate, that's one of the good things about goats is they're just everywhere. Um, <laughs> from, from they, they can, as I said before, you can find them up in the mountains all the way out to the to the flat, flat rangelands um, in central Australia, and pretty much where they're going to be will de- be determined by where they were released and and factors such as that. So um, you, you can find them everywhere in New South Wales, particularly when we had state forest hunting. There was you know, there was plenty of forests where we could find them both in mountain country and out in, in the western New South Wales. Um, they, they go really well in pastoral land areas, so areas that where, um, you know, we fenced it and created water sources for sheep and other stock animals. That, that really suits the goats because they were a domestic animal themselves. So when we've cultivated lands and put water sources in, goats will thrive. Um, yeah... They're, they're a herd animal, um, so generally they're easy to find. Um, they graze during the day and they'll often graze out in the open. So, you know, if you're hunting mountain country, you can often spot them, you know, kilometres away feeding on hill faces, which, which probably adds to them being easy to hunt. And they also leave a lot of sign, you know, a lot of lot of droppings and things like that um, with their, their hooves moving between their feeding and their bedding areas will often create game trails, so they're, they're quite easy to find. But as far as habitat goes, you know, you can find them anywhere. Yeah, no, good stuff. I always feel, always like say to my mates, <laughs> I always feel sorry for the white ones. You, you can always see the white ones from far away. <laughs> yeah, it certainly gives them up. <laughs> yeah, poor. I, I, call, I call them the uh, Judas goats because they're always the first ones to give the other ones away. But anyway, uh, good stuff. I guess, mate, if we were... Uh, 
uh, a goat's best hunted in morning or the afternoon and what's their most active time of day or night i mean obviously it depends on you know when you can hunt them say state forest can, you know, obviously during the day and maybe private land hunting obviously at night but when are they most active and what's the best time of day to hunt them Mate, that's one of the things I think the best thing about goat hunting is generally you can hunt them all day. Um, they're a bit like sheep in their movements. Well, I found them to be a fair bit like sheep. So at night they'll camp up, um, generally on a high spot in the mountains. They'll go to the, you know camp up near the top of a hill or something like that. And during the days when they're out grazing um, and feeding, so I, I find them easiest to hunt. You know, any time of the day. It'll, it'll depend on the habitat that you're hunting. So, for example, um, each year we go out and hunt on a property of Byrock, my, my hunting club, the Canolas Hunting Club, do, and we go and boat hunt them. And as long as you can put up with the 43-degree heat, it's quite easy because all you have to do is go and sit on a water source and you know that the goats will come there throughout the day. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we hunt them all day. I don't really know a lot of people that hunt them at night. Um, so, yeah, I mean, morning, afternoons always when animals are most active, but... It will all depend on what sort of habitat and terrain that you're hunting them in. Yeah, exactly. Good point, mate. If Let's say goats, hunting goats. Can we hunt them year-round, better in summer, better in winter? What are we, what are we talking? Uh, they can be hunted year-round. I don't think uh, there's any states in Australia that have a season on them. Um, again, it depends a bit on your area. Generally, the um, um, goats will sort of they have a, a rut that sort of ranges from late summer through to midwinter. Um, goats can be quite easy to hunt when they're in when they're rutting. Um, I remember one particular time, Jace, I was driving through Clanbella State Forest, uh, yep. which is a, a bow hunting only was a bow hunting only forest in New South Wales, and I, I spotted a mob of goats. And as all all us hunters do, we sort of drive down the road and jump out of the car and go and have a bit of a look. Yep. Um, <laughs> And there was uh, one nanny there, and it had, a, well, I'd say, 10 billies around it, and they were giving a good rogering. And I actually, uh, it, it, it was one of those times, I, I got to within five metres of a nice, big, 40-inch spread goat, and he looked over at me and was more concerned about um, getting into the nanny than he was about what I was doing. Uh, so, so, of course, uh, next day I had off work, I... Um, I went for a hunt there, and I could not find a goat to save my life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it's good stuff, man. Um, I know you were talking about goats, you know, being in herds or family groups. What what sort of groups are we normally seeing getting around? Twos and threes? What tens, fifties? What are, what are we normally seeing? Well, it will depend a bit on what area you're in and what what the density of goats are like there. Um, they're sort of similar to fallow deer. You'll, you'll find that the adult females and their offspring generally tend to hang out together, and then uh, males of either the similar age or mixed age groups will hang out together, and that'll depend a lot on, you know, just how many goats are in the area. Um, as it comes into summer, um, they'll mob up a lot more near a water source because they don't want to go too far away from it. Um, but, yeah, it just depends on the density. Um, you know, in areas where I hunt here in the mountains, it's not uncommon to see... 20 or 30 animals in a mob, but I've hunted out, as I've said before, I hunted out in western New South Wales, and you might see 100 in a mob there. Um, it would just depend. But, yeah, generally they're a bit like fallow deer, so the females and their offspring will hang out and the males will hang out together yeah. in separate groups. Speaking of what you're just going to that one too, you were talking about um, over water sources. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, when you go out some of your far western 
you know, uh, of you know, either New South Wales or in Queensland or even South Australia, some of those areas. Um, is it good to, to, you know, to know your area and to sort of sit over a water source? I mean, can they get enough moisture and food from, you know, the foliage and the, and the shrubs and stuff they're reading, or they definitely need that water source? And if, if you're in summer, hit that water source. Yeah, it, it, it'll depend a lot on the climate. Um, if it's a really wet, you know, area like up in the Snowy Mountains or somewhere like that, they won't necessarily be drawn as much to a water source because they will get it through the foliage and the grasses they eat. But particularly out in that western country where once it gets in summer, it gets hot and it gets dry, just hunt the water sources. That's what we do. Um, you know, properties that we hunt on out there, we've GPSed all where the man-made tanks are. Yep. And we just go and sit in the shade under a tank and wait for them because they just keep coming in. They have to come <laughs> in to get that drink. They'll drink, you know, um, two to four litres at a time and then have to come back again. So, as, like I said, as long as you can put up with 44-degree heat and the flies and the sunburn... You'll do well. Well, at least you can sit over the water source, make them come to you. So, I mean, yeah. uh, half your luck. <laughs> uh, I guess yeah, you said about GPSs and all that, but can we use, um, uh, you know, ga- oh, sorry, I'll say that again. I'll say, do goats use game trails like deer? Do they generally, you know, use the same sort of routes day in and day out? And can we use, like, game trail cameras to be able to track where the goats are? Yeah, they will. It'll depend a bit on hunting pressure. You know, obviously... Um, mobs of goats that aren't getting hunted will generally have the same routine. They'll have their bedding areas and where they go to water and when they go to feed. And if that's not disturbed, you know, they generally go to the, the same place each time. Um, they'll, they'll have a home range sort of area that they move through. Um, uh, the male home range is, is usually a bit bigger than what the female home range is, so the, the groups of males will, will range over a larger area. But um, it's generally not not huge areas, it, it, it'll depend on obviously where where the availability for food and water and shelter is, but yeah, you can use ga- um, game cameras to, to pattern their movements, particularly at water sources or if you can find where they're camping, so find where they, where they come down to feed during the day and where they come to camp up on the hills and what time they're coming back up there, so when I'm hunting in the mountains, I like to get above the goats because you know they'll always come back up to you at the end of the day. Um, and they often look for danger below them, but not so much above. So that's one of the one of the big things I use when hunting in the mountains. Yeah. And what are we looking for? I know with binoculars, is are binoculars important when finding goats? I know, as I just said before, you know, seeing those different coloured ones, the white ones, does make it. You know, they normally do stand out on the side of mountains, etc. But obviously, you get the different, you know, the the brownie ones and the, obviously the black ones as well. Do they blend into the elements? And how important is like scoping mountains with binoculars? Yeah, it can be. Um, Generally, most of the um, mobs of goats you'll see will be mixed colours, so there'll be um, all all sorts of different colours in there. Um, White ones particularly stand out. Um, Many times binoculars have been used to um, determine whether a speck on a mountain a long way away is a sheep or a goat. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you still get it wrong. You you trek all the way up there to find it's a couple of shorn sheep. But, um, yeah, definitely binoculars are important for working out... um, you know, if, if if the animals are there and, and if they are the ones you want to hunt, um, you know, whether it be because you're hunting for, for skins and meat or for, for for a trophy animal. So binoculars can be pretty important, but it will depend on your terrain a bit as well. Often in the flatter sort of country in in the west of New South Wales and other, other flatter areas, you can't see that far with binoculars anyway. Um, but I always carry a pair wherever I hunt. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Let's get into the juice, some juicy stuff. Let's not talk about calibers yet, but what type of firearms do we do we usually use when, say, hunting goats? Well, the ones I I, I generally use my two seventy um, uh, bolt action rifle for hunting goats. I, it's a good all sort of all round caliber, and when I hunt uh, with a bow, I have a a sixty eight pound bow. That's just my personal preferences on what I use. That you know, many goats have been killed with many other. Um, uh, firearms and bows. Yeah, I was going to say, um, what what generally would be the lowest you'd go, say, in calibre? What would be sort of the minimum you'd use, you reckon? I think, Jase, that all depends on what sort of terrain you're going to hunt them in and, and the skill of the shooter. Um, you know, if you're hunting them over a water source where they're going to come in um, close to you, you know, maybe within 50 metres, and, and you want to take meat animals, shooting one um, with a triple two with a headshot's not um, being an un- unsafe shot to take. Yep. Um, but that being said, if you want to shoot, like in mountain country, where your, your shots are going to be longer, um, you want an appropriate calibre. So I'd probably go anywhere from a triple two upwards, um, just depending on the situation. And you've got to have that, um, I suppose, what would you call it? If the shot's not there to be taken or it's outside your comfort range, you've got to be able to, to, to have the patience and to not take that shot. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's very important and something that can't be emphasized enough for taking ethical shots. You know, the, the trophy of a lifetime might be there, but if it's outside um, your range of a, as, as a shooter with skill or, or the capability of the firearm, then you've got to just be patient enough not to take the shot and wait for a better one. Yeah, no, exactly. Good points. What's um, you know, I remember, I remember early in the year I went out to to far out west, sort of past you know, condo, you know, condoblin, and mate, obviously they haven't had much hunting pressure, and I got a, I got a seven mil weight with one twenty grains, and I tell you what, under about a hundred meters, straight in and straight out, you know, what I mean, I was, I thought I was even over gun for the goats, and they were quite, you know, some sort of, you know, they're quite big goats too, so. Um, yeah, I guess you know there's a, there's a range of calibers there that would suit. But I guess well, let's talk about the best shots to take. I know you said yeah you know, they're over a water source with like a triple two or two two three whatever. Um, what sort of you know shots are we look at? Let's say for we can say for trophies and for meat, we're looking for you know what sort of shots. What's yeah you know, what's the best shot on the goat head? Where should we be shooting? I always like the heart lung shot on any of those medium sized animals. Like you said, shooting with a seven mil, takes a punch straight through and. You don't lose a lot of meat that way, and I think it's always going to be the safer shot to take um, because the kill zone's a lot bigger. Um, that being said, I've, I've headshot goats, but I only do it when they're, they're close to range, and there's something like where they're drinking water, so they're not moving around. The head's pretty stationary. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, I always suggest heart lung is always the best shot. Yeah, mate, let's talk about goat hunting. And, you know, it sort of has its own characteristics on you know different types, those medium gamers you just said. What equipment do you think is, say, necessary, you know, obviously? I mean, we obviously spoke about firearm being a necessity or a bow or some, something like that. What, what sort of equipment would you say would be, you know, necessity to take out with your, you know, goat hunting? Well, I think all you need, Jace, is a pair of shoes and your firearm and away you go. <laughs> yeah? Um, uh, we'll go for one of those, those animals where, you know, you don't have to have a lot of specialist equipment to go and hunt them. I think a lot of hunters get balked out of... Um, hunting certain game animals because I think they need to have all this equipment to do it. Mm. I mean, I learnt to shoot, uh, walk around in footy shorts with a pair of uh, farm boots on and away we'd go for a couple of hours with 
Um, but but that being said, you know, a pair of binoculars, a sharp knife, some, some game bags to bring back your meat, and obviously a map. They're probably the essential equipment that you have to have, along with some water and anything you can you can get above that to help you, like wind checkers and and backpacks and things like that will help. But you know, I always just think a pair of shoes and a rifle and get out there and have a go. Yeah, I notice uh, on Facebook there's been a lot of people now posting, and this is the I'm, I'm on my soapbox now. Everyone's got to take out their bandages because we get we are getting into the snake season, aren't we, Dave? And uh, you know, we want to make sure people are carrying their, um, you know, bandages. So, you know, and if you're in a remote area, your EPIRBs or whatever they may be, so someone knows where you are at all times because, you know, the snakes are starting to come out, starting to warm up, and we, you know, make sure you be safe when you're out hunting. So important stuff about safety too. Absolutely. Good stuff, mate. I guess, um, mate, what's the best way to hunt goats? You know, as I said, you know, I've hunted goats where, mate, you can't get within cooey of them. You even make one little noise and they're, you know, charging up the mountain, you know, and they've got good good leg speed and, you know, I, I'm 32 now, so I'm getting a, bit, getting a bit older. The fitness is not there as much as it used to be, but uh, should we, should we, should we be, we, you know, be on foot, you know, riding around? Some people say motorbikes, quads, you know. I know people even ride, you know, mountain bikes to cover a lot of terrain. What's your favourite? Um, I think that's up to the individual. It'll depend on sort of what terrain and habitat you're hunting. I mean, obviously, if you're in big mountain country, those options probably aren't going to be available to you to get on the, the motorised craft. Um, but I suppose it comes up to the individual hunter, and I sort of see there's a difference between hunting an animal and shooting it. So everyone has their own idea of um, what what they might call fair chase. So you know and that, and that's up that's a personal choice for everyone so i i prefer as i've got older i've preferred to stalk animals on foot um i just think it gives me a better sense of satisfaction but definitely in you know that flat western country you can you can ride quads or motorbikes and 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 um flush animals out that way and then then shoot them and that's a, a perfectly fine way of doing it um but i sort of see that more as shooting as opposed to for me, walking about is is probably more fair chase type hunting. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I agree with that. It's always always good for the fair chase. But I know you would actually go back in what you were talking about before those goats. You sort of you know you saw at Clandalla and you got really close. Um, you know, what are the safety precautions? You know, can goats be especially those big males during you know when they're mating? You know, can they be territorial? Well, I've never found them to be jace. Um, or do they just that, see you in bolt, mate? Said, see you in bolt. That being said, <laughs> I've been in a pen with um, domestic goats and got and and had the males go up and and bunk you know, But they're probably not a not an animal as I'd say as dangerous as a, you know a bear or something like that. But you know, it, it's always good to have an escape plan if you're going to stalk in close on on an animal. The same as you would do with pigs. So if something goes wrong, you can get out of the way. But uh, it's probably more. The safety when hunting goats is comes from the terrain. So, you know, if you're hunting mountain country, um, you know, there's always that that those possibilities for falls and trips and spills and that sort of thing. And then, obviously, out in the western country where it gets hot, you got to make sure you've got enough water and and communications things like that. Yeah, no, excellent stuff, man. G- given that people say listen to this podcast, obviously they vary in experience. What's, say, one piece of advice that you think would be important, say, you know, for, let's say, a new person starting out, but also maybe an experienced uh, person, you know, that may, that may love their goat hunting as well? Oh, can I give you more than one? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. Well, as I said before, Jace, I think the biggest thing for people is to learn in the field. Um, 
I sort of didn't have a lot of older hunters to mentor me and I, I found to learn the best way to learn. You can read books, you can read magazines, but you've got to get out there and do it. So if you, you know, and everyone picks up their own style. Everyone has their own style of hunting and you only learn that by being in the field, what works best for you. Um, some people like to glass animals, um, sit on a mountain for ages and glass animals and find the ones they want to hunt. I'm sort of probably more of a person that will... Um, get out there and walk them up and stalk them and find them so everyone has their own style so you know to pick up those characteristics I think uh, you've got to be in the field yep. um, I think a pretty important thing to talk about when hunting goats these days is if you get access to a property to go hunting make sure that you're allowed to hunt goats there yeah. um, feral goats <laughs> have become a pretty big resource for farmers um, Brilliant, sort of as an extra on-farm income, so they muster them and, and sell them. And even to the point where I know a place where I hunted, have hunted, they, um, um, they've even got some of the boar goats, um, which are the South African sort of more, they're a bigger goat, and they release bucks to go with the feral goats to get bigger size into them. So yeah. always make sure that you can hunt goats <laughs> on the property you intend to hunt because... <laughs> You know, a lot of the farmers through the drought, they struggled um, a lot, and it was only through, um, you know, mustering goats and selling them that they, they could make that extra money. Um, and the other thing I'd probably suggest everyone who intends to hunt goats is get a Q fever injection. Um, I, that comes because a person that I worked with actually contracted Q fever, and it, and it knocked him around a fair bit. So I think it's important. It's sort of, if you're going to be hunting goats and especially if you're going to be um, gutting them and, and field dressing them and, and preparing the meat, uh, make sure that, because um, it's a, it's an airborne spore that you'll breathe in that comes from the inside of the goat, particularly around the gut cavities and, and also from pregnant animals. Yeah. So get your Q fever injection. It's pretty easy. Go, you go to a doctor, they actually inject a little little part of the, um, of Q fever in there to see if you get a reaction. You come back a week later and either you'll be naturally immune to it or they'll give you the injection. So urge everyone to go and do that because you don't want to contract it. It knocks you around. Yeah, it does. I remember last year, I think it was you know, earlier this year, we were getting some meat goats and I said, oh, you know, it was so hot. And, <laughs> you know, I said, oh, you know, my mate goes, oh, we've got to gut these things. So I just ended up taking the legs and the back straps and, and off we went. You know, geez, they stink to high heaven, the old goats, don't they? Yeah. Not not one of my favourite things, but mate, I know I always see on Facebook, mate. You're always putting something up, sausages, you know, curries, you know, mate. Give us a good goat curry, or so not goat curry. So any any goat recipe, sorry, that you you think would be appropriate to put on this podcast. Uh, you know, obviously when people bring home their meat, they want to they want to you know treat it correctly. What do you recommend? Well, I um, well, if I get a young goat, I like doing leg roast, obviously, because I you know baked in is always the best. Absolutely. But, um, recently, I've got my girlfriend in the cooking goat meat to yeah. the point, Jace, where actually she <laughs> said to me the other day, she said, you need to go and go hunting because we need more goat meat. So oh. I oh, think that's a, a win for men everywhere. <laughs> she's a keeper. <laughs> but she actually came up with this pretty pretty good recipe the other day. It was actually called a Jamaican goat curry. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's the, it was sort of a funny one to me as well, but... It had sort of, you know, obviously some goat cubes in it, potatoes and oil. But it had um, allspice, um, curry powder, and then coconut milk as well. Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, so it, you know, it's not a sort of a combination of things I thought would have gone together, but it was good. So 
I mean, anyone who's hunted goats and wants something to try new, look up Jamaican goat curry. There's heaps of recipes on the net, but it was really good, and um, me and everyone else's wives will tell them to go out and hunt some more goats as well. Mate, you've got a keeper there, mate. You want to hold on to that one, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's true, though, and you're right, too. A lot of people that I know, I've got a few friends that, you know, from different sort of countries, they eat, eat goat, and as you said, it's it's... Well, that's the most eaten, uh, as a red meat in the world too. And a lot of the Middle Eastern countries eat. Unfortunately, sort of Australia starting to sort of catch on, aren't they? In regards to, especially with the goat curries and stuff like that, it's starting to become pretty, uh, pretty popular. But that sounds like a damn good recipe, that one. Yeah, try it. I love it, <laughs> <laughs> mate. We've got, mate. We've got the five. We've got a, sort of. It was a new segment before, but it's sort of. I've changed it a little bit. But it's the five. It was five questions in under five minutes. But I'm going to make it a little bit harder for you just because, you know, I might want to see you squirm just a little bit, but I'm going to give you five questions in under one minute. Do you think you'll be able to take the challenge? Yeah, absolutely. All right, I've got my stopwatch here ready, so I'm, going to, I'm just going to, keep, I'm going to keep firing them at you, and then you're going to answer them, and I'm going to fire straight into the next one. So, all right, here we go. All right, mate, what's the best thing about being a hunter and why? Getting to be out in the bush all the time. All right, if you could pick one place to hunt overseas, where would it be and why? Alaska because it's remote and they've got great animals there. Yeah, if you could pick one place in Australia that you could only hunt for the rest of your life, where would it be and why? Ooh, that's a tough one. Probably anywhere in Victoria because there's a lot of access to hunt and a lot of animals. Yeah, if you could pick one thing that you would change, say, you know, regarding hunting or shooting in Australia, what would it be? Bring back public land hunting in all states. All right, Dave, if you only had to pick one calibre of firearm for hunting and shooting, that's all you're allowed to own, what would it be and why? My 270, because it's probably the first big centrefire calibre rifle that I bought, and everything in Australia that I want to hunt, I can hunt with it. Oh, yes, mate, you've done it. You'd be surprised here. I've got the uh, phone here, 50, 58, 51. That wasn't too bad, eh? That's not too bad. You've, you've succeeded the challenge, Dave. You've succeeded, yeah? Put it, put it down as one of your major achievements. Love it. Do I get a prize for that? <laughs> oh, I didn't have any here, but you know we could arrange something. <laughs> All right, mate. Do you guess um, the last two questions to finish off? I guess tell us a story about you know maybe one of your best hunts. You know whether it's a goat, doesn't matter what it is, or you know even a personal achievement. Just mate, give us you know a story that you think you know over the years was one of the best days in um, uh, your life, mate. I don't. Know. Well, probably a good goat one for you. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm the youngest of three kids in my family. got two older sisters, so that was terrible growing up. Um, <laughs> um, and they sort of both moved on and gone down to the city. Um, and about five years ago, um, my older sister, who's also a blood nut like me, she, she said she's got this boyfriend and she's pretty keen on him. And I said, oh, does he go fishing? And she goes, oh, not really. And I said, does he go hunting? And she goes, no, nah, he's never been. I said, does he play rugby? And she goes, nah. And I thought, oh, here we go. What, what have I got myself into? So she brought him out to the bush, um, and he, he came out to mum and dad. So I said, how about we go hunting? And to his credit, he said, yeah, right, I'll, I'll go with you. So I thought, oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm going to check this bloke out, see if he's going to be any good. So I organised the uh, hunting on this property that just had mountains that pretty much went straight up. And... Um, so I took him out there and I said, right, we're going up that. And I watched his reaction and he was like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll go with you. And he was actually probably a bit fitter than I was. So he was getting up the hills better than I was, which sort of made me look a bit stupid. <laughs> yeah. And then we found some goats and, you know, I, sh I, shot, I shot one or two and we walked up to them. 
And he was looking at him, and he, he was having a great time. I said, right, now you've got to gut him. And he said, what? I said, and I gave him the knife, and I explained everything to do, and he did it, and he carried the meat home. We both carried a goat over our shoulders each. I thought, right, we'll tick him off. He's all right. <laughs> so, that was about five years ago, and I think they're getting married this November, so in a month and a bit's time. So what did he do? Is he did he is he is he hunted? Is he, and he did it once, or is he is he is he into it? No, nah, he just uh, you know just does it with you, or no, or... he's 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 gone a couple of times now. I've taken him uh, trout fishing where he's almost trod on a red belly black snake. Um, I remember took it, <laughs> I took him pig hunting one day, and he had to wade through a swollen river to get to the pig on the other side. And he, <laughs> he comes every time. So he's no, nah, he's good. Mate. I tick him off. He's good. Yeah, no, he's, so he's all right to marry your sister then, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, mate, last question, I guess. If people wanted to, you know, they want to contact you for any reason, they've got maybe a few questions, you know, email or what, you know, what's your preference where people would be able to contact you at? Um, well, I get on the hunting forums on Facebook a lot, so you can always um, um, look for me there, Dave Smith. Generally, my profile picture is always me hunting something or somewhere. Um, you send me an email david.bluey.smith at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, that's probably the easiest people to email me. Or you can uh, keep an eye out. I've just started doing, Jay, some uh, online videos of my hunts. Um, yep. I've created my own little YouTube channel. Nice. called Bluey Sporting Life. So look for that on YouTube. And I've got a promo video up there at the moment. And hopefully in the next couple of months, I'll be getting a few more hunts up, including some goat hunts. So have a look out for that. Yeah, and people might know you as Bluey. Tell us how... You know, people might not know you as David Smith. Tell us how that came about before we finish off. Oh, uh, Bluey, yeah. Well, growing up, I was never really called Bluey. I was called Red Dog or uh, a lot of other names that probably aren't that good for a podcast. <laughs> um, uh, when, when I, I went away to university in Sydney, and when I came back, I, I started my own guided fishing business called Fishing Trips, and I started writing a, a fishing column in the paper. I knew the editor. I said, how about I write a column that'll help my business out and you know, give you something extra to put in the paper. And it ended up being a really popular column because there's a lot of fishermen out here in Mudgee. And previously, about five years before, there'd been someone who'd, who'd um, wrote a, column, a fishing column in the paper and they'd called him Smithy. So he said, oh, I can't call you Smithy. How about I just make something up? And I said, yeah, mate, that's fine. And on Wednesday, the paper came out and it was called Fishing with Bluey. And it just sort of stuck after that. So I don't <laughs> think many people know my name's David Smith. They all just call me Bluey. All right, Dave, thanks for coming on the show, man, to have a chat with us. Uh, you know, it was kind of fun, man, some good stories there, and gets, hopefully we can get some people out there, you know, gives them some information to be able to get out there and hunt goats and, uh, you know, be successful and not, you know, not give up if it doesn't happen the first time, you know. Getting out there, you know, making it happen is the thing that we need to do, and hopefully some of this information, you know, they'll be able to use and, you know, get, get themselves out there and get themselves enjoying it. So thanks, Blue, for coming on the show, and... Um, uh, thanks again, I really appreciate it. Thanks very much, Jace. It's been a pleasure. You've just been educated, and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>